just doesn't flow. You know what? That that is very true. I, I would use the B word, but I, I'm not touching that C word because that comes off hard. It well, it, yeah, it, it, it does. You have to kind of you have to form your mouth. To Okay, well, listen, welcome again to the Vito and Convo podcast with Fletch and Couch. Mm-hmm. My name is Howard Fletcher, and I'm here with my partner in the pit, Aaron Couch. What are you doing, Aaron? Hey, man, I'm chilling like Bob Dylan. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. I don't know why I don't know why I want to say that. Maybe it's because I started drinking the wine just a little bit too early, but I'm chilling. Well, oh, this yeah. is a good one. Oh, this, yeah. this week's wine is excellent. Mm-hmm. It comes from Boxwood Winery again. They need to start sponsoring us. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you. Uh, I got this wine actually from their sales manager, Jessica Shavers Wilson. Jessica's a. Uh, uh, oh, Jessica Wilson? Well, Shivers Wilson. Do you oh, know, okay. Do you know, okay. Do you know, no, I, I know. I'm thinking about a different Jessica. All right. Okay, all right. All right. Does she have wine too? Well, she's in the event industry, so I'm thinking that you, you know, think okay. somebody associated in the hospitality industry turned you on to oh, it. So. I was just gonna say, hit her up for some wine if she got wine too. Oh, hit well, yeah, she got wine, so yeah, I'm, I'm use her contacts yeah. as well. Hint, hint, Jessica. Okay. So, well, yeah. since we're talking about wine, I'm gonna get on today's wine. Today's wine is from Boxwood, like I said, and it's their reserve. Now, what a reserve is is when up, and they're not the only one that have a reserve. Every winery has a reserve. That's where they. Have some wine that is from some grapes that they think are some of their better grapes. And they usually leave that wine in their barrels longer so that it will ferment and be better. And that's what this is. Mm. It's a blend. It's a red blend. And I will get into that later on. But as you can hear from Aaron, it's very good. Um, look, man, we got to do an episode outside so I can have my stogie. Yeah, with with the wine, man. Yeah. Especially if we're talking about the wine. I can I can probably get some people some really really good vibes if you know if we can get them out get me outside with this because this right. is this is nice, man. Yeah, yeah it's a it good, really is. It's a big bold red. I, these this, are the types of reds I like. This is something I would like to have, uh, like I said, on the back deck after uh, doing some grilling. Yeah, uh, definitely have to have a ribeye yeah. and just. Really enjoy it. Yeah, this is dope. Yeah. yeah. But we'll talk about it later when you break it down. All right. All right. Cool. Well, this episode, we're on episode five. The episode's entitled The Pager. Did you have a pager, Aaron, ever in life? Man, see, I was bougie, man. I was I was rocking in the 90s, man, in terms of a DJ. I was making nice papers. So um, I, I had the big block cell phone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Oh, you were flossing. Yeah, I was Big. flossing, man. Same. I was in my Mustang. People know me back in North Carolina Central in my DJ days <laughs> and all that. Um, I'm giving props. Yeah, I was. I had the big block, but yet I, I, I pays a lot of cats. Yeah. Pays a lot of cats, but yeah, yeah. And I kind of felt left out, you know, like why, you know, I didn't want to have the pager, and then have the beeper as well, you know. So, but I meant the beeper and the phone. So, right. Yeah. So. Right. But. Did you? I had a partner went to Central. I'm a little older than you are, though. So. You did, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes, okay. Yeah, okay. he played ball for Central. He did. Well, then Basketball. he. Well, then he's one of my alumni because I played ball for Central okay. as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I, I definitely have people. You know, I played with um, who's the head coach now? Um, I was up a classman when he came in as a freshman, Lavelle Moton, who's right. doing 
great things in North Carolina Central. Shout out to you, Lavelle. Yeah, right. my son likes the colors too, and you know he's doing work. So just letting you know that uh, you got somebody up here you need to check out, he's not, bro. Now that he's not related to Lawrence Moten, is he? Uh, Lawrence Moten. No. He played. He's from D.C. He played for Syracuse. No, no. Wait, hold up. I got to look that up. I got to ask Lavelle about that. I know he got relatives. I know one thing. Lavelle went to Enloe High School, same one that uh, produced Nate McMillan, and also uh, what's my man, uh, the uh, guard for uh, well, small fort for um, Houston. Um, shoots the corner threes. It'll hit me later. But uh, but yeah, that's that's another topic. But. That's my man, Lavelle. Yeah. All right, we digress a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This is the, every every episode opens up with a quote from a character. Mm. I tried to jump early, you know, a couple episodes beforehand. I said that Avon Barks, Barksdale said something when it was only D'Angelo. Mm. This time, this is from Avon, and it's a little too little slow, a little late. Mm-hmm. And we get we'll get to that later on. That's a that's. I'll give you a spoiler. That's my favorite scene in this we, one. We, we kind of see Barksdale opening up in this one. We we see him as uh, trying to see how his day goes because we really don't know how he lives his day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is dope. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm liking this. I'm liking these episodes that we're getting into it because you're starting to see what you talked about earlier and, and breaking down what we're going to do with this particular podcast and this series about the complexities of the characters, how they're yeah. three-dimensional. And yeah. one thing that we constantly see is that they will show these people in different positions that you're not expecting. You're not going to see, like you said, the drug dealer always giving orders or bossing around. You're seeing him in a position now where he's just trying to be, you know, he's living his life. So the first time we really see the police in this episode is down in the dungeon, <laughs> in the major crimes unit. The judge makes a visit. And why is he visiting? Because warrants. Yeah, they they have gotten their paperwork together. He's down there with McNulty, Kima, Daniels, uh, Rhonda, Perlman, the DA, mm-hmm. and he has decided on the strength of their presentation to grant them the ability to clone a patient. You see all that paperwork they had, man. Absolutely. Did you see all that freaking paperwork, yeah. man? Yeah. I'm like, how did he get all of that out from the last episode when he was going to start moving forward with this, man? <laughs> I, I, I'm just honest because, yeah. and then like you said, you see the judge down. You know what? With the judge getting down there in this particular scene, you actually start seeing the dungeon is actually being a part of the police department. Right. You know, it's like, okay, they, they are official, believe it or not, yeah. because the judge is down there. That's what I thought was true. I'm like, damn, he he's slumming it with them. But uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm surprised he said, no, bring that to my office. Yeah. All right. But now he's down there slumming with them. It kind of show you why him and Minolte may have been friends before. It kind of took him back to his old days, you know? Right. I thought that was kind of cool, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that, and he does, for whatever reason, have a vested interest in this case. I mean, that's even the whole the reason they're pursuing this mm-hmm. is because... McNulty talked to him in the first episode. True, and, and he got true. this ball rolling. So uh, and he came back out now. He's at the he's at PTP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they get a pager clone of D'Angelo Barksdale's pager. Mm-hmm. So anytime D'Angelo gets paged, they get the number on their pager. And that was due to our man, the natural policeman. Oh, Freeman. That's the Freeman. Well, yeah. that's a good segue because I'm about to. Go into what he does next. Uh, Lester, he finds that each pager message consists of a seven-digit phone number and a two-digit, 
identifying tag. Now, anybody who knows anything about the way mm, brothers mm. use okay, my pages. Code, my code <laughs> yeah, going to be... Yeah, exactly. My code going to be... Two eight two not bad. Can't have been. That's the that's the fellas. Let me know when we're right, gonna go get right, some uh, you know, chicken over yeah, the chicken hut. Yeah. You gotta give me another code for you, baby. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was a typical thing. Yeah. Six intercepts so far and five on working numbers. Something wrong with the recorder? We're getting what you'd expect. Seven digits of a yeah. telephone number and a two-digit add-on to identify the caller, like here, thirteen. McNulty, line one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we got too. It's fucked up. All right, later. So, but the Barksdale family uses that same type of system, you know, mm-hmm. the code system. Yeah, we find out later it's a little bit more complex. But, but yeah, we find it's more complex. But the phone number part of that code doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So they're shooting off what looks to be fake phone numbers. They're not phone numbers. So. Yeah. You know, while the cloning's working, it's not doing what they want it to do. Yeah, they can't figure out, like, they're like, these area codes are not Baltimore area codes. These, what are these numbers? You know, they're trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they figure that it must be a code. He's got the same numbers on the readout of the clone pager, so it's not the recorder. He's mostly using a code to cover their calls? Uh-huh. It's pretty damn sophisticated. What is well, they've coded the telephone numbers in their pager messages. How you know? Every time the Boxdale kid's pager goes off, this machine gives us a message in time. McNulty's carrying a cloned pager, but this is what we use in court. Same with those pen registers. Every time someone uses either the payphones in the low-rise court, we get the telephone number, the time, and the duration of the call. Incoming calls, too. Spy shit. Which blows everyone's mind because they have no respect for the intelligence <laughs> yeah, yeah. of these drug dealers. They're like, yeah, wow. Yeah, Kim was like, I mean, did she, if we can't figure out a code, then what does it say about us? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Prezbolewski has been assigned to the office because he's just incompetent as far as they're concerned. He's and too he, much he's too st- much of danger. He's still suspended, right? He's still, he's still yeah. well... <clears throat> He is suspended from being outside. He's not suspended like anyone else would be suspended because from the Valchek, field. He's, yeah, he's suspended from the field. Yeah, yeah because yeah. Valchek, his uncle, looked out for him, mm-hmm. and you know Daniels looked out for him because of Valchek. Mm-hmm. But he just cannot go out in the field, so he's pretty much like an office worker up until now. But he's sitting there, and he said, "Well." I might as well try to crack this code because I have nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah, like whatever, you know, I'm going to do this, yep. Yeah, so he uh, makes copies. This is back in the days of (laughs) touch-tone telephones. (laughs) <laughs> and he makes copies of the phone. He uh, said, what was the old cat, the old hump? He was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Copying the telephone. He's like, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, this detail yeah. is a he's trip. Like, this detail is a, this is a waste of time. That's yeah. what he's thinking, yeah. 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 He's drunk as mug, too. Yeah, it, it, always. I mean, <laughs> good gosh. Yo, he played. He played it all funny uh-huh. with uh, when uh, they were when uh, Kima and Minolta came in. And he's trying to go down the steps. He almost busted his ass, caught himself, uh-huh. and he looks back up at him. And he's like, "Dude, dude!" And they look at him. They just keep on walking. But he is tore up, uh, man. He's tore up. Oh my god! So Prezbaluski, with all this time on his hands, and surprisingly, he's kind of sharp. He figures out how to crack this code. Yeah, yeah. He does a damn good job in it. And it, you know, it's based off of the square touchstone. 
buttons mm-hmm. and jumping over the number five. Yeah. So he finds how to crack the code. McNulty's very happy. He wants to kiss him. Yeah. You know. Damn, damn comes close. Damn near comes close. Yeah. 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 And he's a very, very tactile person, very touchy. And so that's, that's a great. They know how to crack this code and they get these numbers. However, Lester Freeman, who, you know, is always a buzzkill because he likes to, <laughs> he likes to tell, tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. He's like, we need to get audio, audio surveillance. Because all we can tell from these numbers is somebody called D'Angelo from this payphone and he called them back. Right. And so unless we know what they're saying on the line, this really doesn't help us too and much. And he was right. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. This really doesn't help us too much. So he tries to get, you know, Daniels to help. But he knows that Daniels is more concerned about his career than getting this thing solved right or, or, or chasing the money that's right that's right that's right yeah now and also remember now this doesn't have anything necessarily necessarily to do with daniels directly but landsman was told by rawls that he need you know if mcnulty can wrap this thing up in two weeks he can have him back yeah yeah and that's and that's one thing landsman will love yeah right so yeah. nobody in the police <laughs> nobody in the upper management of the police department really wants to solve this case. No, no, no. They look. Everybody wants. Everybody wants to make sure they cover their ass in terms of their work that they're responsible for. And if something is throwing a hole in it, boom. And if it's something that they know is going to cause some issues politically, they don't even want to touch it. Uh-huh. Yeah. As you remember, if you've been watching or listening to our podcast, when Omar uh, robbed the stash house. Who was sitting right outside? Bubs. Bubbles was saw the whole thing. Everything. He Get saw, it to him. Yeah. Saw the whole thing. Yeah. And along with that, he saw the getaway van. Yep. Which was, you know, had a, had a lot of uh, like interesting racks on top of it. It was some sort of. Buzz remembers all the markers yeah. on it. He remembers all everything. Of, yeah. All of it. Got the license plate, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was, of course, not a good license plate, but yeah. he got it. And uh, as a result, they find the van. Yep. They find the van. So Kima and McNulty, they sit on the van and wait for Omar to show up. They're hoping that they can convince him to be an informant. So they just sit and they wait for him. Yep. And wait. And wait. And wait. Yeah. <laughs> While they're waiting, McNulty calls his wife because he wants to have his sons come over. And his wife is not helping the situation oh, she's 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 not with it she's pissed yeah yeah she's she, she is pissed and mcnulty kind of rants about her to kima <laughs> and kima's kind of tripping on him you know because he you know mcnulty's pretty cool character unless you're you know he gets excited about trying to move his case along yeah but he, he's not really been angry at an individual for personal reasons mm. in the show at all no nah, she kind of witnesses him call his wife the c-word yeah he says he said you know he was trying to he was trying to be diplomatic <laughs> yeah. when he did. i know you don't know what do you mean you don't know for christ's sakes elena i'm their father you think i'd let him sleep on the floor yes i got them sheets pillows comforters pillowcase i fucking got them color what the fuck do you care what color they are hello I bet. 
You know something? My ex-wife, the way she acts sometimes, the way she deals with shit. You would think a, a less enlightened man than myself, cruder man than myself, a man less sensitized to the qualities and charms and value of women. A man like that, not me, but a man like that, he just might call her a cunt. You just called the mother of your children a cunt. No, I did not call her that. Yes, you fucking did. No, I did not. matter what I try to say that my wife asked like she's like are you calling me no that 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 that's not going to be perceived the way you want it and yeah. even with him talking to somebody another police officer who he thought him explaining it that way would be she would see it in his favor she saw it the same way the wife would see it yeah, yeah but listen if Maybe you know, but if you don't know, I'd like to hear from a woman out there if you're listening. Yeah. Because, listen, I look, I am 57. Okay, I'm I've been around. Mm. Okay, and it seems to me that somewhere in the 90s, that word became like the the N word for women. Mm. Like it's not a word that I ever used because it just doesn't flow. You know what? That that is very true. I, I would flow. use the B word. But I, I'm not touching that C word because that comes off hard. It, well, it, yeah, it, it, it does. You have to kind of you have to form your mouth to say it. You, you, have, you to have to you have to you have to have so intent on saying that word. You have to say it. I'm just saying that to my recollection, and you know I've been known to be revisionist before, so I you know it happens when you get old. No, I agree with uh, that. I think the nineties. I think the nineties. Yeah. I heard it in the eighties, but I didn't see the violent reaction from women. That I witness nowadays. Yeah, to, I think the '90s. Yeah. I think with Sex in the City, I think with shows like that, and obviously, you know, a level of respect because you know I seen another woman call another woman B. But when you right. take that time to to just just you because you got to do that, yeah. it's like you are you are committed. Yeah. yeah. To saying that and and the association with that word. Is just like stanky. Oh, and and, and 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 to call a woman that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's why Kimo was like, "Yo, I mean, look. I think if he would have said the B or she, been like, okay, I can see that. But that word right there, <laughs> that word, and Kimo's reaction. I'm like, dude, you you just put your foot in your mouth, yeah, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I was, like, I was like, you may have had her on your side. But as soon as you did that, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you notice, I am not even trying to say the word on oh, this show. No, not I at ain't, all. I ain't, nah, not nah. at all, not at all. But I was just curious about that because, and maybe it's a function. And you probably it might have something to do with Sex in the City. I don't know. I'd like to hear if somebody else has any type of reason why the the word. Bad as it was, always has been a bad word. Never, never went from a uh, an acceptable word to. Less accepted. The word slut it, is accepted yeah. before that word. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm just, <laughs> I mean, that word, I, I'm just saying, it's like, of course. It's like, <laughs> uh, I was acting that way, but it, it's just that no, word. No, it is. Yeah, it that's, is. That's, oh, no, no. Yeah, that yeah. is. I mean, look, I'll tell you how, how terrible that word is. See, rappers will say anything. But you don't hear that in rap. <laughs> you hear me? 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will call women anything. You know, gotta, you know I haven't even thought about that. But, but you know yeah. that. Now, it doesn't rhyme with a lot of things, but mm-hmm. you well, know funk, funk, trunk, well, but still you ain't yeah, going to try. Yeah, yeah. Still, you, you before, as you were writing it, you'd be like, that is a hard word man yeah yeah and, and just the women's reaction to it is just like yo mm-hmm. i'm gonna stay away from that yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah all right meanwhile uh carver and her they're on the warpath to get bodie because bodie Escape. They they had a whole plan when they were gonna go to Upper Marlboro. He blew that. Bodie just he he's got them so upset. Yeah, yeah. They go to the mother's house, the grandmother's house, excuse me. Mm. And you know he's not there, and you know Herc even got Herc apologizing about mm. that. So they're looking for Bodie, mm. and they find Bodie where the first place I would have looked is that in the pit. You know what? That's the thing I was tripping off of. I'm like, what do you think he is? Yeah. I mean, he's at work. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Bodie's at work. I mean, he, look, he may be a drug deal and all that, but he's he's at work. Yeah, that's his job to be at the pit. So, Why don't you check there, you idiots? So, yeah. so they go give him the beat down. I mean, my man Bodie, Herc and Carver beat Bodie all the time, and he's <laughs> like. Is that all you got? All the time. All the time. The boat is like, is that all you got? All the time. But uh, so they beat him down and they take him into the precinct. And again, they think that they're going to be able to, they always have a plan. So they think they're going to be able to. Their plans are so, there's so much stuff that's wrong with their plans. Once again, their expectations are like, go in there, round up the bad guys, throw them in jail have a good day that's the thing yeah but they I, they just are not i don't think they're a good judge of character they just not because it just seems very apparent that Bodhi is not the guy that you're going to break like this but anyway they beat him down they bring him take him to the interrogation room and, and interrogation room hold up but let's stop right there why do you think they don't why do you think they keep going after Bodhi? they keep thinking that look they're right you keep getting out on things that are slipped up. And it's like they're blaming him instead of actually thinking about what they're doing. Their whole method, their whole approach is insane. Yeah, they well, keep doing the same stupid BS each single time. When they wrote, raided the low risers, I mean, there were a bunch of pawns down there. Mm-hmm. But there were a few mid-level guys. But yeah. nobody hit the cops. Bodie no. was the only one who hit the cops. Yeah, so they just stuck on that. So I'm, But I'm just like... To me, that's probably not the guy that's going to be snitching. Yeah, and, and, and to keep, yeah, you know what? That's you're right. He hit the cops. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's try somebody else. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> they say they figure they can they can good cop bad cop him. That uh, Carver's going to go in, and Carver is from East Baltimore. He's going to go in there and try to. You're racking up all kinds of points, ain't you? First, you put a cop in the hospital. Damn near kill his ass with that punch. Now you on the wing from Boys Village? Man, I'm 16, all right? What the fuck they gonna do to me? That's the least of your worries, my friend. I got a partner outside who can't wait to get in here and fuck you up. Cop you banged, it's Herc's uncle. Herc wants off the leash on this one. And, um, I suppose you at the other end of that leash, huh? See? 
I don't want to play it that way. I know about coming up hard and all. Boy, you... You came up hard? Flag House Projects. East Side. Yeah. Flag House? No, you... You remind me of me. I'm thinking... You should work something out. What do I get? It's like we already saw the Jedi Knights, McNulty and Bunk, right. work a work a cat in the interrogation room. Right. Now you get ready to see two uh, JV guys from the Division Three school try to take on Carolina in their prime. You know, and yeah. and, 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 and he Carver goes in there, and he's trying to break it down. He's got his legs crossed. He thinks he's he thinks he's superior. Yeah, but they're just, I mean, to go with your analogy, it's like they, like, draw up a play like, okay, and then you throw me this alley-oop, and neither of them have never have even dunked a ball before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's the way this, this thing goes down. I mean, they yeah. come up with this plan, but yeah. they've never done this. So, Bodie, Bodie's good at catching them, <laughs> catching them fists, I guess. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but... You know, while they're waiting for Juvie to come pick him up again, take him back to Upper Marlboro, they end up playing pool with him. They kind of come to some kind of understanding with him at this point. They, they kind of bond a little bit. I think they have some respect for him mm-hmm. in the fact that he did take this beating. He never whined about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll, he talks about it like, yeah, you you know, you want to hit me when I'm cuffed and stuff. But yeah. Uh, Anyway, they they get they start to develop some type of relationship. At least. Yeah, some some type of relationship that okay, look, there's respect here. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, Bunk received the ballistics report from the shell that they got from the refrigerator. Yep. And they see that it's linked to the Barksdales. It's from a gun that they know is the same gun that shot, uh, old boy who was the, uh, the guy who. Testified, right, right, right. In there, so they they can link the at least the gun to the Barksdale clan. So and, and that right there, when 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 I saw that, I said, "Ooh." So you know, Bunk, you know, gotta give gotta get Landsman this little dap because you know Landsman was right about yeah. that that folder that it would be worth something. He, he said, "Kiss my ass, McNulty." He said <laughs> he turned her, Lance would yeah. do a little dance and everything. Yeah. Like that was a lot of crack too. Bro. That was a, that's a huge crack, that but was yeah, too much. Yeah, 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 <laughs> too much, too much. So Buck and McNulty decide to visit Deidre Crescent's friend, who was, I believe, her roommate or just her partner back at the time when she was killed. Right, right, right. She's a. Uh, she starts giving us some information about. Oh. You, you, she she just. She was a fountain of information. Yeah, she was. She was just talking. But Deidre went with Avon. She was with Avon for like a year, 
and something happened. Toward the end, she started to get real possessive, and that didn't sit with Avon, because he has other girls, too. Anyway, she started bitching on him one minute, crying to him next minute, threatening to do all kinds of things. She threatened Avon Barksdale. Girl was off the hook. One time, she threatened to write a letter on him. A letter? Letter to the state's attorney. Supposed to be something called akin to her? She said that if he dumped her, she was going to tell about the drugs. Did she write this letter? I don't know. I tried talking to her about the way she was acting, but she wouldn't let it go. She even had it out with him in his club one night in front of all the people that were there. Well, Avon has a club? Orlando's titty bar. Does he own it? That's what Deidre said. She said he owned a whole mess of stuff. Yeah, so McNulty and Kima, next day, they sit on... Orlando's. Um, no, well, no, they go... After that, they drive by Orlando's and they see that it has security cameras that are facing out. That's <laughs> like right. to the street. Yeah, yeah, to, so, so they can see where the cops are coming and stuff. Right, yeah. Right. So they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they see that, yeah, Orlando's is a little bit fortified, a little bit more than a strip club should be. Mm-hmm. So they find that interesting. They, uh, but the next day, McNulty and Kima are waiting for Omar, the van, to come out in the van. Mm-hmm. And this time he does. <laughs> you know, he comes out and they follow his van into the cemetery. Mm hmm. And they sort of have this little parlay. You know, they sit and they talk to him. That was a trip right there. Yeah. Uh, Omar just drove to a dead end. Yeah, drove to a dead end, got out of the van. He said, what's up? Yeah, what's up? And, mm. uh, you know, McNulty does have a way of disarming these folks a little bit when he talks to them. Because he, he tries to be pretty straight up. Keem as well. Yeah, he tries. To, he, 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 it's like McNulty knows that, look, if I come yeah. at him this way, they're going to at least allow me to talk. They right. know that I'm not there to arrest them. Uh-huh. They know that I'm just trying, trying to engage for information to try to do my job. Uh-huh. And Omar, you know, he shows that he's a pro in knowing this shit. Uh-huh. That's why he drove to a spot where nobody would see this conversation going on. Uh-huh. Where he feels that nobody would see this conversation going on. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, and we'll get back when I, we get to the street part. We'll give you the backstory for this. However, yeah. during the course of this conversation, well, first thing, McNulty said, I want to talk to you about a common enemy we have, which is Avon Barksdale. Mm-hmm. And uh, Omar kind of plays it off like, you know, Barksdale ain't no real problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, you know, I just took all this stuff, you know, ain't no real problem. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, he might be. So I, you know, I, I kind of thought we might be able to work together. And Omar says he thinks working with the police is wrong. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't work that way. That's not, the, that's not the way the game works. Right. And McNulty reveals that his now he's there with Brandon, mm-hmm. the light skinned dude, his his uh, his lover. Yeah, his lover. But Bailey, the other guy, he's not there. And McNulty kind of lets him know that. Fair enough. You know, I used to work the homes back when your brother was up there. You get a chance, let them know they blew up John Bailey last night. Good man. A lot of enemies. Mm-hmm. Saying you trying to catch up with Bird? Word is he dropped a working man. Hey, wait. Hold up. Come on, don't play me. What working man? What Bird? Come on, now I ain't but one working man now is there. Bird? I think your snitch can handle that. Shit, Bubbles no Bird. You know, they, they kind of leave each other 
with sort of a mutual thing, like, yeah, I know, I know this about you. Yeah, I know you. this. Yeah, yeah, you know this about me, but also know you got an informant up in there. They like shit. Yeah, they know Bubs is the informant, and they also knows he. They he also can put the finger on Bird. He's not going to do that because he's not down to work with the police at right. this point. And right, right now, yeah. yeah. But that's it. So that's pretty much from the police's end uh, on on this episode. So we're gonna take it to the street now. The way the show opened, this particular episode opened, we we see Avon. Avon's at his girl's place. Yeah, yeah. And he's waiting to get picked up by Weebay. Mm-hmm. And he, on the when Weebay's pulling up, he gets a page. So he wants to. He has to go to a phone, to a payphone, to you know make the call. Mm-hmm. And he has Weebay drive him to like. Out two or three phones. Yeah, the first one he's like, nah, 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 nah that I one. Use that yesterday, and yeah. go with And we made comments that man, you, aren't we going like way over careful? And this too careful. So when Avon gets pissed, he's like, I'm, you know, yeah, like I'm, you got like, I'm, you got like, ain't got people after me. Yeah, I'm like, you know, he doesn't want to be questioned. So no. um, on one hand, it you, you could, if you didn't know Avon, perceive that as paranoia, but then, you know. This is one of the reasons, even though I said I found it a little bit, little bit unbelievable that nobody's heard of, nobody knows him. I mean, nobody can, you know, other than his little circle of fame people. Yeah. Well, this might be one of the reasons why. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's pretty careful. Right. You know, he's pretty careful. Exactly. So that was, they had that little scene there just to give us a little bit of Avon to show us a little bit of how he, in fact, let me tell you, the Avon was so uh, uh, paranoid that they, I missed. I missed one part. There was a phone call that came into his girl's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you want to get rid of the phones, right? Yeah, right, right, yeah. You right. want to get rid of the phones, right? And nobody and, and you know, he answered. No one was there. So he told Weebay, "Have all those phones." <laughs> he said, "How are you going to tell your girl? How are you going to explain to your girl you ain't got no? She ain't got a phone now." Yeah, yeah. He's well, like, "I don't give a damn about that." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't care about that. So yeah. that was the way that was that went down. Mm. Okay. Meanwhile, Omar. Now this is uh, in the beginning of the, this particular show. Om, Omar is with Bailey, who's still alive at this point, and Brandon mm-hmm. up in their uh, their little hideout. And they're going over their next rip on the east side, you know. Right. And uh, he Omar draws out a plan on the ground, and he's uh, said, "You going to go over here, and we're going to chase these guys back through the alley." Mm-hmm. So, next thing you know, you hear Omar whistling the farmer <laughs> in the tail. Something ain't right, yo. Watch out, man! Got that fool. Everybody is breaking camp, and, yeah. and this fool's not only whistling at, but he's walking in the middle of the street, big ass shotgun, trench coat, yeah, bulletproof vest, yeah, and and then cats are running around, and then this one kid is like, "Yo, man, let's go, yo, Omar's coming, right? Yo, Omar's coming, right?" And, and dude falls, runs right into the trap, right? Yeah, okay. 
again, this is a testament to good acting mm -hmm. and good writing. All because right. if I had to choose, if you ask most people, or let me back up, if you ask most people who watch The Wire, who is your favorite character? Or if not favorite, the most memorable character, I I'll say with confidence that at least two-thirds of them are going to say Omar. Yeah, right. I can say that too. Easily. You know, easily, easily. Easily. However, Omar Little, even though according to David Simon, he's a composite of, of six real people, mm -hmm. you'll hear from people who have been around some of the streets, and I certainly haven't witnessed this before, that I don't know of anybody, I don't know of any person, any civilian, mm. that clears out drug spots. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's very believable when you watch this. Right. You watch the show, you buy right into it. Well, because you're just realizing that he's a type of cat that doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, but they're, they're more than one of those yeah. in, in, in most hoods. So I'm just saying, it was, it, that's why I say it's a testament to acting mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and the writing that they pulled this off. Gotcha. That Omar Little is believable. Right, right. And to put a cap on that, this notorious, treacherous, scary character is gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which in the black community is, you know, especially in 2002. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here saying that it, it wasn't held in high regard. Well, and the main and, reason why is because of the, uh, the history with... With slavery and and, with, and with trying to oppress brothers who weren't gay, absolutely, and the whole thing of dehumanizing a brother, really demasculating him. Right, that's what that's all about. Right. And right. so, it, it's you're not going to have brothers that are going to really be talking about that or be willing to be like Omar, open in that manner, open. right, right, in that exactly. particular way, absolutely. And yeah. but but yeah, this cat is all about getting shit done the way he wants to get shit done. Right. And he understands ain't shit gonna stop me. And everybody realizes ain't shit gonna stop him. Yeah. 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 Well, he uh mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> he he, he uh, chases the you know, couple of the dealers through the alleys. His plan works like clockwork. Mm -hmm. You know, Brandon and Bailey. He's very tactful, man. man. He's very tactful. Yeah, yeah. And uh they they steal another stash. Mm -hmm. So, you know, meanwhile in the pit, <laughs> and it's a little conversations in this in this uh, series that I like also in the writing. Bodie and Poot are discussing HIV and how you can catch, as they call the bug mm. in this in this thing, if you can get it from oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, or if you need to wear protection when receiving oral sex, so that protects you. Or not protect you. I mean, do you need to have that to protect yourself from AIDS or right. from HIV? Um, and Bodhi is of the opinion that oral sex doesn't count. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, and Pood is saying, yes, it does. So they're having that little debate <laughs> on the orange couch. You know, which is interesting. But Yeah, it was. Anyway, Bodhi, now this, is, this scene I think is important. Bodie notices while they're having this little conversation and he's also talking to D'Angelo that uh, Wallace is playing with this little action figure at on the corner. You know, he's sitting in, in, his, in his little spot and he's <laughs> yeah. a little toy. Yeah, because they just got through talking about how they're getting jacked and all right. that. Yeah, and he's playing with this action figure. So uh, D'Angelo sees him 
Bodhi sees that D'Angelo sees him, D'Angelo doesn't say anything. So Bodhi gets up, gets finds an empty forty, mm-hmm. and throws it at him. Right over his head. Right over his head. Hits it. You know, hits him a part of it. Cuts him. <laughs> Easy to see why niggas come around here stealing our shit. So you know what? You know what, nigga? What? kind of looks at D'Angelo because he's like... You need to be handling this you shit. You should be handling this. Yeah. But Bodhi knows, <clears throat> even though Bodhi doesn't... This is why Bodhi just has this stuff in his DNA. Yeah. He knows that regardless of who's supposed to be running it down here, if this continues to happen, we're getting jacked again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's know? right. Yeah. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take any shotgun blasts nor the wrath of Avon Barksdale because you don't know how to take care of this stuff. Exactly. I'll take care of it myself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, look, dude, yo, man, we can't, we can't keep doing the same crap, the same BS that got us in that before. Now we we gotta shape, we gotta shape, we gotta shape up, man. Yeah. We gotta sharpen the tools, bro. Yeah, and it also it shows also that where Bodie will do what D'Angelo will not is that Bodie and Wallace. It's not like Bodie. See. <laughs> I think Bodie would throw a bottle at D'Angelo. You wouldn't have to give much of a reason. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't like D'Angelo. At all. But Wallace is his friend. Right. And so he's throwing that like, damn, man, yo. Yeah, that's the basis. Say, yo, you got to wake up, man. He's he's trying to not only help Wallace, but he's he's trying to help the whole crew. Mm. And he he takes it seriously. So what it shows, and which you need to put in your pocket, is that uh, Bodie will do whatever he has to do in order to fulfill the mission. And if that means throwing a bot, hurting somebody who's his friend, he'll do it. Right. You know, and D'Angelo will not. You know, he just won't. So I thought that was a pretty good scene. It really was, yeah. Yeah, it really was. It said a lot. Yeah, it really kind of shows a lot more about how D'Angelo, once again, he ain't made for this. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, they had that conversation about there's something wrong down at the pit. Like somebody is a snitch. Something like that. Yeah, so they're kind of concerned about that. Right. So Stringer makes a visit to the pit, and uh, he pulls D'Angelo aside, and he says, I'm going to tell you what you do. What day is it today? Friday? What happened on Friday? Payday. Not this Friday. Why not? No, no. What you going to do? You going to call him like you going to pay him? And then you crack him. You tell them you're not happy with what they fucking pass as work down here. And when you're not happy, they ain't getting paid. You feel me? Yeah, but string man, you don't pay a nigga, he ain't gonna work for you. But you think a nigga's gonna get a job? <laughs> you think these, these niggas gonna be like, fuck it, let me, let me quit this game here and go to college? No, I mean, they, they, they gonna buck a little, but uh, they're not gonna walk. And in the end, you gonna get respect. Yeah. And then when that money run out, they come up to you and roll on you and ask you for, for an advance and shit. When they flat ass broke, them the niggas that you strike off your list. But that nigga that stay eating, the nigga that steady rolling, ain't asking you for shit. That's the nigga I want to hear about. Understand? Yeah, man. Shit, you know how to play a nigga into a corner string. Yeah. <laughs> Take and this almost goes back to the chess game. See, Stringer's management style, we've seen twice now, mm-hmm. where Stringer will say, 
I'm going to just like, okay, first time was when D'Angelo talked to him about the dope game. Right. And he said, if the product got better, we'd have better sales. Stringer's like, nah, nah, they going to come back anyway, man, no yeah. matter what. So we're not going to be improving the product. And then that's when he, t- he tells them, stop paying these guys. And, and, and again, D'Angelo said, these guys won't work. Right. It's like, nah. So Stringer's management style <laughs> is ruthless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and D'Angelo, D'Angelo tells him, he's yeah. like, yeah, that's 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 hard. It's ruthless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas Avon's management style can be ruthless. He he'll, he'll give out some ruthless uh, uh, directives, like he did about what to do with the people that robbed the place. Right, right. But he you know cuts a little slack on D'Angelo, and even sometimes when he asks Stringer if something's been taken care of, and Stringer's like, well, maybe we should do it this other way. He doesn't put down the hammer so much. No, nah, no. Nah. He'll talk, he'll talk, you know, tell, he's the boss. I mean, he'll right. tell him, but, but Stringer, man, Stringer got no cutting card, man. Stringer. No, nah, no, nah. Stringer, Stringer's out there talking to D'Angelo, trying to say, look, first let him know about the snitch, let him know about, you know, how we're going to handle this and get the snitch out. And then as he's saying all this, something happens, like it happened earlier with Bodie having to throw the uh, bottle at, uh, at, at Wallace. Now Stringer turns to D'Angelo and says, go handle this. Yeah, because well, Poodle's on the cell phone. <laughs> I'm like, yo, mm. he, he was, you know the rules, but it's funny how when Stringer tells him to do it, he just goes, do, do it. Oh, yeah. When Bodie points that shit out, he's getting the conflict with Bodie about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it also shows you how, now Stringer, now, that said, I mean, because Stringer's management style may end up getting him in trouble, but his skill at the game is high. Yeah. Because Poodle, didn't just get on the phone. He'd been on the phone the whole time. <laughs> Stringer peeped that out from jump. Yeah, he did. He did. And he waited until he had to leave and then told. He said, go handle this handle shit. That. Yeah. Because obviously you haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. He saw it from the get it go. Yeah. 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 So Stringer is good as far as his skill set is concerned. Yeah. Um, all right. So then we're going to have another D'Angelo scene. This one is a, a, a deep one where he takes. Done that. Oh yeah, he goes to the restaurant in the Inner Harbor. Yeah, yeah, that was dope. That was that was uh that was a trip because he's trying to take. That's like I guess like a dream date. You going to Inner Harbor, right? You like that? You know, you going with some money. You t- it's a step up, right? And you know, but it, what I liked though was that the concert, well, not concert, but the major D was very respectful to him. Yeah, he was. He, he, was, was, he was like, you know, he said, "You have a reservation." And I thought we just we said, "No, no problem." Showed them to a table and everything, and gathered table. But what I found was a trip that when he sat down, sat down, the girl said, "You should have pushed harder." Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, hold up. I said, the Major D is being respectful to him. I think and, this is a good way to go. Yeah. Well, I would say she, what she, I think, what she recognized, and what D'Angelo has a problem with, is that. First thing, the two things. One, I think old girl probably been there before. I mean, she she probably been in sentence like that before. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was obviously a first timer. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows how it goes. She knows that money talks. Like right. And I think D'Angelo feels a little less than not just because of his where he comes from and his lack of experience. He knows what kind of money he's spending. Mm-hmm. He's spending drug money. He's spending. Blood money, as they say. Right. Whereas she's like, 
you should have pushed hard. You, you're spending money in here like these other folks. Mm-hmm. You know, different than they are. And I think that was the point he was trying to make. Yeah, yeah. I do agree with you that I was, I was impressed with the service. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, man, that's, I said he didn't get he didn't get treated bad because he was black. No. He treated them very respectful. I'm he like, did. damn, that's dope. He did. But yeah. they did put he did put him right by the kitchen though. Yeah, he did put him by the kitchen. <laughs> he did, he put, did him. put him by the kitchen. Yeah, but yeah. but still but, though. Yeah, and I think she knew that if she had put it this way. All right, let me ask you this thing. All right. If she had been with Stringer, would they have sat by the kitchen? Oh no, of course there not. You go. Yeah, that's yeah, all. That's yeah, all. Yeah, she yeah, knows. of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, and I agree with that. I'm saying in another in, in, in dealing with the individual who it is right, right. for him to get that much done. I was impressed right. in the way you handle it. However, Stringer would have been like, uh, "Here, man, here's another fifty. Yeah, Can we exactly. do better?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, "Yeah, right or, here, or or, yeah. or even better. You know, I'll take care of you when it's all over. You know, that right, type right. of thing." Like I tip, I tip heavily, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think this the the strongest line in because we kind of went over exactly what the atmosphere was and what the point of the plot was at that. That uh, D'Angelo is uncomfortable in those situations, mm-hmm. and he's you know kind of feels like he doesn't belong. Where old girl, she thinks they belong just fine. Like your dinner? Yeah, her shrimp was right. <laughs> yeah, it was good, right? Mm-hmm. Don't they know? Do they know what? You know what I'm about. What you mean, D? Come on. No, it's like, get all dressed up, right? Come all the way across town, fancy place like this. After we finish, we're gonna go down to the hall, we'll walk around a little bit, you know, acting like we belong down here, you know what I'm saying? So? Your money good, right? D, we ain't the only black people in here. It ain't about that. It ain't what I'm talking about. It's about where we, well, you know. I'm just saying, you know, I feel like some shit just stay with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, how did you try? You still can't go nowhere, you know what I'm saying? Can I interest you in dessert? You know, had he spent more time up in the room counting the money than sitting on that orange couch in the pit, mm-hmm. <laughs> his, mm-hmm. his, uh, his self-esteem might have been a little higher. <laughs> a little bit, maybe a little bit. But after that demotion, yeah. after that demotion, he's yeah. like, I, I don't know what I can do. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that was, I thought that was a, a it was kind of another layer to D'Angelo there. Yeah. Because I don't think D'Angelo's just sad, man. He's I don't think he can be happy. You can't make that brother happy, man. You don't only think time, so? Only time he's happy is when he's standing in front of the mirror in his gear. Well, that's what he, he knows that the, the lifestyle that he has chosen allows him to have the gear and all the other stuff that he likes. But he's not happy doing it. He, he damn sure isn't happy doing it. He's not happy doing it. Because he's always constantly like, why we got to do it this way? Right. Why it has to be this way? Yeah, he's yeah. He's not happy doing it. And <clears throat> he doesn't seem like he could be, all right, there was no reason for him to be unhappy in that scene. That was That's all I'm saying. He's with his girl. No, there was no reason. He's got a pocket full of money. He got it on his gear. Food's good. They, were, they mentioned that too. Yeah. So... You know, I guess the only thing he could be upset about is the fact that his girl is like this. Well, then, then again, he doesn't want to be in a situation where he does something that he that he doesn't know. He's not. He hasn't been out. He hasn't done that too much. Right. You know, he hasn't he hasn't taken the, the fly woman to the spots too much. So he right. he wants to make sure he doesn't do anything that can make embarrass him. So he'd rather be told by her. Okay. Right. You know. You could push harder. That's true. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. But if if you're not working to 
to put yourself in those situations and why are you in the pit? That's what I'm just what I'm saying. I Agree. Mean, Agreed. Agreed. But anyway, that so that's what happened, and uh, I thought it was a really good scene. No, I mean, I, was, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately, I think that conversation with his girl, mother of his child. <laughs> baby she, mama. Baby mama. Mm-hmm. Chases him into the arms of the stripper. <laughs> why why in, do you say in, that? Why, why do you say that? Because... He's more comfortable in that position. I the, the next the next scene we see after that with D'Angelo, he's going into Orlando's. Mm-hmm. There is, and in fact, I'm glad we're at the scene because I want to get your take on it. There is an altercation at the bar. Old girl is there with some older dude, some Mark, mm-hmm. and he's complaining because twenty dollars is is gone missing. Right, right. And he accuses her of taking. Uh, what's your name? Char- Charlene? Char- Charlene? I can't remember, man, right now. Char- it's like Chartrine or something. It was that's a yeah, yeah, hold on, let me see. But, but anyway, he's accusing her of taking the money. And there's, you know, there's a little back and forth there. So finally, she reaches in her bra and pulls out 20. Because homeboy's about to get he jacked was, up. He, he's about to get killed. He, he's about to, he was on his way out. Yeah, he was. And But she pulls out a 20 and gives it to him. And he leaves quietly and D'Angelo witnesses Chardin. Chardin. Yeah, Chardin. Uh D'Angelo witnesses the whole thing. And then he asks her, Did you steal that? And she says, No. Now I believe she did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Me too. I'm I like, she I'm like, that was a, a, a straight up lie right there. Yeah, but. I believe she did. I I was listening, I was I was uh reading something where somebody was of the opinion that she hadn't and this is how they thought it affected D'Angelo. If he believed her, I guess maybe he did. That's what's important is what he believed. Okay, they believe, they I think believe he, that he believed her. I think, yeah, I think that he sees her as having some humanity, as having being a real person in this world he's around with everybody's game and everybody else. And I think he thought that by witnessing her give up this 20 to this guy who was a victim, that she was somebody who was a you know, had had some compassion, some humanity to her because his girl obviously didn't. Baby mama obviously didn't. No, nah, no. Nah. You know, she's just like, you know, you should have put your money on the table. She, she has know. higher aspirations for him than he does. Right, yeah. right. So that's why I say I think that whole situation at the uh, restaurant sort of was a straw that broke the camel's back that, that made him decide, I'm going to go talk to old girl. And then that little scenario there kind of helped solidify. And also he's more in control with her. He's more in his element with her. Right. Avon and Stringer discuss taking over the Edmondson Avenue corners. And they want Stinkum to run the corners. That's a new new part of the territory. Edmondson Avenue is not part of their territory. Mm -hmm. It's a guy named Scar who runs it. They're going to eliminate him. And they want to put Stinkum in charge. Yeah, they want to push homeboy out. Right. And when you when you get in charge of that, you get a percentage. Now, right now, what D'Angelo gets down at the pit is a salary. But, you know, it doesn't matter how much he sells, he's going to get the same thing. Yeah, but now. But Stinkum. <laughs> he's getting some points on the package. He gets some points on the package. He gets some points on the package. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, that's what, and that's what D'Angelo aspires to do. 
He, I think he thought he was on his way to do it. He probably was in the towers. But he but fucked he, but up. He, but he messed up. He fucked up. Okay. So, a lot happened in this episode. Bubs goes and visits Johnny at the rehab. Johnny tells him that, oh, by the way, I got the bug because they found out from when they tested him when he came in. Mm-hmm. So now his boy has HIV on top of the fact that yeah. he's got the colostomy bag. Yep. Then he's like, Where you been at? Yeah, man. I mean, I didn't come past sooner, but I've been uh, on kind of like a mission. A mission? Yeah, yeah. The hoppers that beat you down, they got problems now. Yeah, there are many people that sling for even. What? I put the police on their ass. <laughs> Holy. Yeah. Would you get locked up or something? Oh, come on. No, I'm not working for him. I'm working with him. You don't give me the bad soon enough, I keep doing like I do. Why? I mean, why? How you gonna ask me why? Why the fuck are you in here, man, with all these falling out motherfuckers? And why are you passing Johnny, shit to a bag? And maybe, you know, when they put that beat on you like that, it, it sinks in. I had said on this podcast that I thought that Johnny really didn't understand the whole game. Like he's he just not, now you realize he just ain't good at the game. He's not good. He's, <laughs> <laughs> see, see, see we, when he says that, you're okay. It's yeah. not that he doesn't, he's yeah. just not that good. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he's, he takes everything that he's taught. Right. He just can't execute it the way that Bubs can. So now Bubs saying this is the kind of throws a wrench in his head like, okay, what are you talking about? That ain't part of the game. Yeah. 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 And he still, and from the looks of things, at least the way I interpreted it, uh, I don't think Johnny completely accepts the whole thing that he's working with the police. I mean, no, he doesn't. Well, he doesn't because it was like, that that ain't part of the game. Yeah. 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 He's like, you know, I got my ass kicked. I fine, man. But damn. Yeah. 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 Well, so, uh, you know, so Bubs a little upset seeing him down there in that condition mm-hmm. and he's got the bug, but he did bring him some food, even though he dropped the milkshake on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was, it was pretty good. Uh, Avon and D'Angelo, they visit Avon's, I, I believe that's Avon's brother in the nursing home. Cause he tells D'Angelo that's his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 I remember okay. they're walking through there. Yeah. And I think that's a, I keep saying all the scenes are good. It is a good scene. What do you like about this one? Well, you get to see Avon's, you get to see that Avon is a macro thinker. Mm. See, Stringer is a tactician. Mm. He he thinks strategically too, but he's Mm. a tactician. Stringer is the queen. Like like you said, that's Yeah, he he goes all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Avon, Avon has no illusions of this game being anything other than it is, and he tries to look at the big picture of the thing. And All so, the time, on everything. So he has that one scene where he's sitting at the bedside, and it looks like his uncle was, because they show that thing on the side of his head, it looks yeah. like he was either shot in the head, mm-hmm. or he had some sort of stroke or something like that. That's I what I was thinking. I think it was maybe a stroke. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's some kind of a stroke. And so he says that you can prepare for things but life comes at you regardless. You know, uh, right, it's, it's kind of hard to be in here right now. He scare you, don't he? You know, I'm just saying. He scares me. Yeah. See, if he did, you know, I could carry it better. Coming up to what we did, you know, you kind of expect that. 
waiting on it. See, the thing is, you only got to fuck up once. Be a little slow, be a little late, just once. And how you ain't gonna never be slow, never be late? You can't plan for no shit like this, man. It's life. <sighs> yeah. Right. You know, because D'Angelo's down there and he's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not feeling this. He's like, he's in a spot where I think seeing the uncle in there, uh-huh. I think that kind of made him kind of think about something like, okay, where's my life headed? You know what? Yeah, once again, this shows you why, like I said before, Avon has to be a very smart cat. Right. He knows what he's doing. Right. And he breaks it down right there, and it shows he knows what he's doing. Right. How he's able to say something to him that's, that be, that is so profound to him that he doesn't realize it. But yet this is constantly coming out of Avon. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what he tells him. You only have to mess up once. Mm-hmm. And you only got to be a little too late, you know, and... He said, "When you going? When that? When's that going? That's not going to happen, you know." Yeah. So, don't don't think that way. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was I, I I like when they have scenes where you see these characters where Avon Barksdale, the kingpin of the drug organization, could have been Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He could have been just that guy. Yeah. But instead, we see him at the bedside of his brother who apparently was in the game as well and now is a vegetable. Right. And how that affects him as a, as a, as a man. I thought that, I love that stuff. And finally, we see Poot and Wallace down at the arcade mm. and they spot Brandon. Woo! They mm. spot Brandon playing video games. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And Poot's like, in that dude, and, he, and you know, Wallace is like, huh? And he's like, that's the dude who robbed he, our spot. He said, when he's in that one that was with Omar, right? He's like, yeah, right. yeah, All right. So, Wallace goes and makes the call, yeah, and did. they show the series of calls. That's what I thought was also interesting. Yeah, they show how they show how he pages how to receive it, how they go and uh, return it, all of that, and uh-huh. then later on, you see Stringer pulling up. Right. Yeah. So what what you see when they're doing the pagers, because they have the cloned pager, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's registering in the, at the precinct. Yeah, that is registering in the, no, they're in the dungeon with it. Right. Yeah, they, right. they, they, they're peeping out the number and all that. And and you see Lester in there just writing stuff out. He's paying attention. He's in, right. he's, he's in, uh, he's in natural police right. go mode. Right. Yeah. So what you what you're seeing, as well as the fact that Brandon's about to get got, is the fact that they're getting all this information, but it's really not going to be any good because they don't know what they're saying on the line. If they had known <laughs> what they were saying on the line, they would have they, they would have they, they would have had them for murder. Yeah, but yeah, but they don't know what they're saying on the line. So I thought it was a good way to end the the, the episode. It really was because then they're like, okay, we 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 know what the number is, but what are they talking about? Yeah, and and. We find out later how yeah. they break that down. Yeah, and you also, you know, it ends up with, with uh, Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. He, 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 has a, he has an innocent face as a little kid, man. Yeah, he does. He really does. And it starts to, you know, he sees that 
that call is going to end up with some serious consequences. I don't think he really sees it right then. Well, no, he doesn't see it like he's going to see it. No, no, no. He doesn't see it like he's going to see it, but he knows that this isn't going. This isn't just like tattletale or telling on somebody in school. About yeah, something. And, and who, They're not going to take him to the principal's Who was that that pulled up? Was that, that was Stringer? Was that Stringer that pulled up? That was Stringer and Weebe. Yeah, yeah Stringer and Weebe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when he kind of saw them, and yeah. they were thanking him, good job and all yeah, that, yeah. I think he's kind of thinking, oh, shit. Yeah, because nothing good happens around Weebay. <laughs> Weebay and Stinkum, nothing good happens around them. Oh, man. Yeah. So, all right, it's a good time, I guess, for us to take a break. Okay. And we can talk about some of this wine. All right. All right. Yeah, this one's bold. I like mm. this one. The wine we have today is from Boxwood. Like I said, Boxwood Winery in Middleburg. It's a 2015 preserve. And it's a red blend. Uh, this is, so far, probably the oldest vintage that we've had on the show. And it's just, it's drinking really well. I mean, it's, it's, I've had it laying down since 2015. So it's about five years. Uh, it's been in the barrels probably a good 30 months before then. So this is a really good wine. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. It is a, it's a blend of 48% Cab Franc, 25% Merlot, 22% Cabernet Sauvignon, and 5% Petit Verdot. And that Petit Verdot, I like if it really finishes it off really well. I'm going to give you their little, their tasting notes. All right, so I know what I'm tasting here and how they describe it. Yeah. Break exactly, it down yeah. for me, because, you know, I don't want to sound like I, I, I can taste it. I just know it's damn good. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's very good. But you're going to taste something that I mentioned, like I said before. Like, you don't, you know, I can't say beforehand until I hear the tasting notes. I say, oh, yeah. That's okay, what I mean. okay, yeah. All right. Like, yeah. The bouquet is intense, reflecting dense and complex layers of black fruit and toasted French oak. Black currant and dark cherry fold into exotic notes of cardamom, spice, and cigar box. Mmm. Yeah. Uh, they use my word right there. Yeah. Okay. The finish right. has great length and depth, lingering with a chalky tannin and dark fruits at the end. Altogether, a wide range of intricate flavor from beginning to end. Would you agree with that? Uh I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, um, just a cigar box part, it kind of goes back to why I say this is something I could definitely smoke a cigar with. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very rich, smooth wine. It's one of my favorites, like I said. It doesn't, and you mentioned this before when we were, uh, I think when we had the Slate 5 in the first episode, mm. it doesn't have a, a bite to it. You know what I mean? It's very smooth. It doesn't have a uh, any sharpness to it. At least in my taste, my palate. Mm. Yeah, like I said, this is perfect for a cigar. Yeah, it really is. This is on point. <laughs> I see you over there fiending for a cigar. I, I am. I am. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, I am going to put these chicken thighs on the grill, smoke them, get them right, and while I'm out there, I'm going to have some of this and a nice cigar, man. I'm just, it's got me. It's got me solid on this, bro. All right. All right. Well, you know, we will do one of these outside. If uh, you want to invite us, any of you listeners, to your home with uh, cigars and ribeyes, we'll bring the wine. All right. And we can do the episode. 
But that's our wine. Like I, like I said, you go to Middleburg anytime, visit Boxwood Winery. I know you'll thank me. Mm-hmm. And we'll get back to the show. All right, let's do it. All right, well, is there a, a main theme to this episode that you felt that you picked up on? Uh, well, something that uh, Stringer said, and it kind of kind of goes back to a lot of things. He says, shit's weak all over. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> shit's weak all, yeah. all over. And, and you start to kind of see some people questioning themselves on, on their actions throughout this episode. We mm. talked about D'Angelo going to the uh, restaurant. The restaurant mm. that we talk about. Bub sitting there talking to Johnny and and Bub's questioning the game and he's like, you know, but Johnny's like starting to question Bub. So, you know, it's just like right now you see a little unsure. People are a lot unsure about certain things and how things should be done right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I think you're beginning to see people starting to evolve a little bit, transition a bit. You know, uh, I think, you know, between last episode and this episode, you see Bubbles kind of wondering whether he I mean he has that besides the fact that it's uh not healthy. <laughs> but, it's not healthy. but he's figured out the dope addict game in West Baltimore to a T. Well he has, yeah. He's pretty it's but he's really starting to question whether this is what he wants to do. Mm. Now I know for some people from the outside looking in saying, "Well, why is that so hard to figure out?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, it's the it's the smack, man. He yeah. talking about heroin, yeah. man. Yeah. It's the smack, yeah. And and, and, and and look, it ain't light. Is people are having an easy time getting off of it once they're hooked on it. Right. I mean, come on, let's right. look at the history. Right. So, yeah, but you know, he is Bubs has all the he's he has it down to like you called him. He's a Jedi dope fiend. Mm-hmm. He is. But uh, he's starting to see now in this episode whether figure out whether this is exactly what he wants to be doing. Yeah. And I think D'Angelo is having those same thoughts as well, like you said. So. And, and we, well, I think we're starting to realize with D'Angelo. I think we're starting to realize it more, especially how he questions certain things, how he talked in previous episodes about, hey, the game ain't got to be played this way, things like that. Yeah. So you're really starting to realize that, hey, look, he ain't, he ain't really all about this. Mm-mm. But yet, it makes money for him. So, and he's got family in this, so he feels a little secure in doing it, even though he doesn't necessarily like the way that things have to be done. Did you have a favorite scene in this one? Oh yeah, that's the, yeah. Comes in the bag, goes out in the bag. <laughs> I, I I mean that's that that right there, that right there was just you know that whole point right there because once again. You look at Bubs as a guy who knows the game and understands it, but yet seeing his boy get brought, I mean, he brought him McDonald's. I mean, yeah. he ain't got but so much money, but he brought a nice big bag, lost a milkshake, yeah. but brought him a nice big bag, and he's like really questioning himself. So I just look at that as being a profound moment that kind of explains the whole show. Yeah, yeah. That was a good thing. This, this episode, as many are, this was packed with good scenes. It really was. I had two that that I'm, I'll I'll pick one because okay. you know, the one I'll pick is the nursing home. I like I liked that scene with mm-hmm. uh, Avon talking about his brother and about life. But the other one was Bunk and McNulty questioning that friend about 
Avon. Oh, and how she was just spilling. Yeah, and, spilling. and they again, you saw that rhythm. Whoever writes the bunk McNulty scenes mm-hmm. understands how to write dialogue or two partners working together and working off of each other. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they... I think do. Simon really established how they played off. I think the writers that they bring on the show feed off of that on yeah. how, he, how he describes and how he, how he has them feeling, basically basically just knowing what the other would do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that rhythm. Yeah. Because uh, there was... I, anyway, I liked that scene a lot, but it's the nursing home scene. Mm. Was there anything that was unbelievable for you? Uh, not necessarily unbelievable, but but you just you just kind of like really start to think about when they go pick when uh when uh Wee Bay goes pick up my man, and he talks about you know the whole thing about getting rid of the phones and all that. It's just how what's the word I'm looking for? His paranoia. <laughs> How his paranoia just pushes things to put people in a position where, okay, how am I supposed to handle this? Right. You know what I mean? How am I supposed to do the next thing? Right. You know, so I think that's what probably just just, just really just bugs me and kind of trips me about how he just pushes the envelope, but he really doesn't think about how it can inconvenience somebody else. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just makes he sure care. he stays in the game, stays alive. He doesn't care. Yeah. But now I'm assuming probably – might be sexist of me. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm assuming Avon's paying for everything in there anyway. Yeah, it probably is. So he's probably yeah, like, he's like yeah, yeah, rip yeah. those phones out. I'm, they're my phones. Yeah, but I don't think he wants to have another situation where they got to go kill somebody else. Yeah. Again. Oh, no. You no, know, no, no, so no. Like, he, he, wants, he tries to minimize all possible loose ends. Yeah. All, you know, times that they could get got. So, yeah, I agree. All right. But for me... And I'm, I, this is probably going to be my mantra, even though I enjoy the show and Omar Little is one of my top three characters on the show. Mm-hmm. I just, every time I watch it and I see people running like the three little pigs from the big bad wolf from him, it just blows me. I'm just like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and th- now this introduction, like I said, dramatically fantastic. Yeah. That he's whistling the farmer in the dell and people are like uh oh you know it's like the monster I just coming. like how he's just walking in the yeah, street yeah, man yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the, how he walks in the street, street man yeah, yeah but you know when you put that on the backdrop let me give you a comparison around this it, the show is believable it's my favorite show of all time let me say that and I'll mm-hmm. keep saying that but if we after we see which we'll find next episode what happens to Brandon there are worse things that can happen to you than Omar. I just don't understand why Omar. You would think Omar is like cutting heads off, or he, you know, blows fire or something. I mean, I don't, I don't see. No one wants to get shot. Don't get me wrong. But no Omar, man, he puts. You see the fear. You see the respect that people have seen Omar do some wild shit yeah. that they that they're not even talking about. Yeah, like he said, everybody know Omar. Yeah, that's true. But they act like nobody out there is armed. I mean, that's, I guess that's the thing. I mean, well, how this is another thing though. And it's not like anybody else is armed, but who's just quick enough to uh, pull the trigger and well, get the balls to do it like Omar? Well, like Omar says, that, and this is a line from a later episode. But you know, when you come at the king, mm-hmm. you best not miss. Right. You know. So yeah. that's the thing. So in that mythology of the wire, 
he's the man. It's just, it's still like when I see people scattering, <laughs> it's a little much. They were scattered like Rose. Omar's coming. Omar. Oh, yeah, my God. yeah, it was like how it's like when they, uh, the 5 0 shows up at the pit. 5 0, 5 0. Yeah, yeah. Now, that said, who is the MVP or the Simon at a BC of this episode? Bodie. Hmm. Okay. Please elaborate. Well, well, Bodie, first of all, even though we know he's a young buck, he stays on the game. When he threw the the, the glass mm-hmm. over Wallace, it's like he knows it's in his DNA. He's tired of – he's not going to get got again. Right. You know what I mean? He stands mm-hmm. true to the game, and he's being straight up, up front with it. And also the way he's talking to uh, D'Angelo, he's like, we need to get our shit together. Uh-huh. He stood his groundless because, look, we're starting to look sloppy. And what what basically shows me that he's definitely on point is when Stringer comes up later and does the same shit in uh-huh. terms of talking about how we're getting guy, we need to be on our toes. And then look, look at what this kid is over here doing. Poops on the phone. Yapping and everything, uh-huh. and so it just kind of shows that Bodie definitely knows the game, and I, and and it, he was just badass in this in this episode. To me, in my opinion, no, I I, I can't disagree with you there. I, it's just not my choice. My uh, my choice is Omar, even though I just talked about <laughs> Omar. And I'm to say why. I mean, you know, within this, that's the obvious choice. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the the thing that makes Omar believable in an unbelievable situation for me mm-hmm. is. The way Michael K. Williams plays, dude is cool. Yeah, I mean he was cool when he cleared out the neighborhood. Mm. He was cool in the cemetery with with Kima and McNulty. He does not get shook. You know, I forgot this scene in um, in the uh, cemetery because they were following him and he knew they were right there. Yeah, he just led them right to where he wanted to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he tells them. That uh, I knew you were waiting to talk to Omar, so I drove, you know, mm-hmm. just took a place. So, yeah. Yeah, I, and, I it, and he tells us about his snitch and everything. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but you're right. They, had, uh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with yeah. that one. Yeah, you might have got me on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What uh, favorite line? Mm. Shit's weak all over. Okay. All right. <laughs> because it just explains a lot about something that D'Angelo really ain't grasping about the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's what I like. Yeah, yeah. It's well, just weak all over. Yeah, well, mine mine was what, uh, my scene in the in the nursing home mm-hmm. when uh, you know, Avon says, you only got to fuck up once. Mm-hmm. Once. <laughs> you know, be a mm-hmm. little slow, be a little late, just once. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's where what he's faced with. And he's mm. he's trying to eliminate that once. <laughs> yeah, constantly. Yeah, you see that. Yeah. 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 To, uh, any old school gear, tech, or anything that you would? That, I, I was uh, looking at that shirt that Avon had on when the show opened up. You know, he's in uh, getting ready to go. That that blue okay. collar, you know, kind of kind of like linen type flow and all that. Oh, but okay. yeah, that that right there, those type of shirts, they used to be like a big club thing for me. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. mine I'm, mine is going to be Avon thing too, but it's something that I would never wear, and even if I was of a mind to wear it, it wouldn't look good on me because I'm not tall enough. Was that? But when he went to the nursing home, he had on the brown denim suit with the Tim. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah. You know yeah yeah. The, you know you're right. You got it. You got it. You got to have some length on yeah, that for it to come had, off right. You know the baggy long pressed. 
<laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that you was know? those yeah, and, and the crease had to be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. That's like, a good one. I was like, dang, that's, yeah. that's old school gear. Yeah. yeah, that is. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Any uh, music stand out? Nothing. Yeah, I don't remember any. Uh, yeah. like last one, I don't remember. Yeah, any yeah, music. yeah, yeah. Because the, 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 really nothing in terms of music right there, but but I think like the next episode's got a couple of things I wrote down. Um, that I can't wait to talk about in terms of the music, but okay, yeah, all right. Well, did we miss anything? Anything else that uh, you want to touch on that we didn't bring up? Well, let's just say that probably let's go back to the dinner in the Inner Harbor. The one thing you can't say that he was trying to treat this woman with some respect in class. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of like that part right there. I just think that we should emphasize that once again, like you talk about the characters being three-dimensional, how he actually tries to make sure that when he's in a particular moment, he tries to uh, show the respect that's deserved of that particular person. Even like Stringer, even even with the kids, sometimes just talking to them, yeah. he's trying to show them some type of respect as well. Yeah. So it just kind of shows his personality. Yeah, somebody, and I don't know, uh, I do believe later on in the series you get to see D'Angelo's mother, I think. Mm. But it's obviously he was parented by somebody along the way who taught him some manners. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he does. I mean, he even te- treats, uh, what's her name? Sarnitra? Sardine. 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 I mean, he treats, he treats everyone. I mean, he does treat Sardine like almost... He treats her with respect. Yeah, he doesn't try to act like she's beneath him. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or he's yeah. better. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but yeah. so he's there. So. All right. Well, if that's it, is, is that it? I think that's it, man. You need to let them know what they need to do for us. Well, look, what they need to do, mm. what you need to do, if you will. Please. Is, is please uh, subscribe to the podcast. We need you to go right now. Go to Apple Podcasts or the Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on. And hit subscribe. Also, if you would rate us, give us five stars. It helps us to grow. And if we can grow and we can bring you guys some more content, we can bring you some more wine. And that's all we want to do. And we can support local businesses. That's the main thing. We're trying to support some of these local businesses. Definitely. Definitely. This is how you can reach us. Uh, The best way to reach us is by email. And you can email us this way. You can email Aaron at couch, like the sofa, at C-O-U-C-H, at vinoandconvo.com. That's V-I-N-O-A-N-D-C-O-N-V-O.com. Nice. And you can reach me at Fletch, F-L-E-T-C-H, at vinoandconvo.com. Same one. We also have uh, social media accounts. We have a Twitter account, Instagram account, and TikTok account. Gonna be working on that TikTok. <laughs> the, TikTok. Uh, we, we'll get it up. It's gonna be up soon, people. Yeah. The uh, the account or the name is is Vino Convo. V i n o c o n v o. That's it. At Vino Convo. No and. Mm-hmm. So tweet us. You know, shoot us some Instagrams. All that. Also, if you know of a winery or a brewery in the DC metro area that you'd like us to highlight, you'd like us to talk about a beverage that they offer on the show, please reach out, let us know, get us uh, uh, some of their beverage or just let us know and I'll see if I can get it myself and we'll 
be glad to do so. Also, if you're listening outside of the D.C. area and you want us to talk about a particular adult beverage that you like, reach out. We'll figure out a way for you to send it to us. Just send us enough, mm-hmm. and we'll be happy to discuss that on the show. And finally, we'd love to have some some of you on the show with us to talk about The Wire. Come on down. Come on down, everybody. Come to, on down. To discuss adult beverages and also... We are definitely have an open invitation to people from Baltimore. Yes. Because we want to keep it real as the show keeps it real. And I, we want insight on Lake Trout. We want insight on the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> we want insight on the O's. Anything Baltimore-related, crab cakes. Yeah, come on down here. We'll have some wine and crab cakes yeah, for you. There you yeah, go. Definitely. There you go. Yeah. Well, so... That's about it. That's all I have. You got anything else? I got nothing else to add at all. I just hope everybody comes back next week in Peepers, and uh, hopefully we can keep growing. Yeah, and I think next week the uh, name of the episode is Drumroll the Wire. Okay, that's the name of the episode, right? That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, see, The Wire. Next week's episode of The Wire is The Wire. There you go. So that means we get into the actual theme of the show. So, So, all right. right. Well, thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. Take care. All right, everybody. Peace out.